Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. We are uh, really excited about one of the things that we're doing as a church. So there's a lot of people that are getting saved and baptized. Um, How many of you, just quick show of hands, have been baptized here at the church? Just... I don't know how many are in service today. So awesome. So great. Even as recently as Wednesday night, John and Rose back there were baptized on Wednesday night. And I want to say your name correctly, but I'm afraid I'm going to screw it. Tanaz. Thank you. And Tanaz was baptized on Wednesday night too. It's actually one of her first, it was her first time ever to Authentic Church. She came to a prayer night and she got an invite to come to a prayer and worship night and ended up giving her life to Jesus on Wednesday night and then was baptized. And in my mind, that's just the way the church, it was meant to work, right? And I, I just believe that if you do the things that are in the Bible, that God shows up and he does the things that were in the Bible, right? And so as a church, a New Testament church, we're founded on that, that when people believe, then immediately the next step is to be baptized. Jesus never called us to pray a prayer and convert to Christianity. He called us to repent, means to turn away from the the old life that we had and to go all in for him. It doesn't mean that you're never going to make a mistake again. How many knows that plenty of us, even when we got saved, we've made plenty of mistakes (laughs) the next day. It doesn't mean everything's going to be just totally perfect. It means I was once walking with my back towards God and my face towards sin, and I repented, and I turned away from the, the sin And now I'm walking with my face turned towards God and my back turned towards sin. And if I stumble, I'm going to get back up. Amen? And so it's so beautiful what God is doing here at Authentic Church. And a lot of people are getting saved. And one of the things that's close to our heart is like, well, well, now what? Right? So, So I get saved. So, you know, what's next? Right? And so we are going to start doing what we call equip nights. And equip nights are going to happen here. And they're going to happen a few times of the year. Uh, on a Wednesday night, and uh, the first one that we're announcing is going to be uh, a, 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 a class that Casey Tate is going to be teaching on how to study your Bible. And if you've been a Christian, maybe you've been saved for years, but you've never really had anybody professionally instruct you on what are some good basic ways to study my Bible. How do I get the most out of my time? Because we don't want to just read the Word of God. We want to be transformed by the Word of God. Amen. And so Casey is going to be teaching a class. And by the way, she, uh, she's got more degrees than Fahrenheit. Um, she, she spent the better part of her life in college. Uh, she's traveled around to 45 nations teaching in Bible colleges all over the world. She helped actually form the Bible college that, at the church where we were at in Ventura. And she helped start that and oversaw the curriculum and everything else. She's brilliant, okay? And the best teachers aren't the ones that confuse you. They're the ones that help you understand, okay? So she's going to take some things that may feel a little confusing in Scripture. She's going to help bring understanding to those. So I cannot tell you enough. Please come to the class this Wednesday. Again, as Casey said probably about 20 times uh, earlier, you can simply text the word AUTHENTIC to 94,000, and if you haven't done that yet, I'm giving you permission to take out your cell phone right now in the middle of my speaking, and you can text the word authentic to 94,000, and you'll get an update and a reminder on all this stuff, so it'll be great. Cool, awesome. So we're excited about that. I hope you guys are too, and it's gonna be a great time for the next three weeks on the Wednesday nights. Casey's gonna be teaching that class. Uh, Here at Authentic Church, you know, we have a simple mission, 
And that mission is just to love God, to love people, and to live authentic. Uh, we, we think there's a grace on the real you. Uh, we, we think that, that God had special things that he put inside of you. And so we want you to be the real you. And we're going to do the best to be the real us. And we just believe that when we're real, when we're authentic, when we're genuine in our faith and in our walk with God, that Christ is so irresistible that he will build his church. Amen. And so we are a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church. We get into the Word of God every single week, and that's what we're going to do right now. Uh, for the next few weeks, we're actually going to unpack a little bit in the life of Moses. Sometimes we speak and share from a topical standpoint. Sometimes it's a little bit more line-by-line -line exegetical. This is going to be a little bit more line-by-line -line, uh, for the next few weeks. For those of you that are into that, then you should be stoked out of your mind for the notes that you'll be able to take, all you note-takers. Uh, so we're going to jump in, and we're going to take a look at the life of Moses out of Exodus chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. While you're turning to Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to give you a little bit of the backstory. If you're unfamiliar with this man, uh, he was a man who uh, was born through the lineage of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God formed a covenant with Abraham, and uh, Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had a son named Jacob. Jacob became Israel, which became the nation of Israel, and Jacob had 12 sons and one daughter. God bless her. Dinah was her name. Poor girl. But there were 12 sons and one daughter, and one of the sons was a guy named Levi. Levi is the great, 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 great grandfather of this guy, Moses. Okay, so through time, one of the things that happened in Jacob's lifetime, when Levi was born and grew up, one of the things that happened is that uh, their youngest brother, he was the youngest at the time, but they ended up having another younger brother, but Joseph was sold into slavery, and he ended up in Egypt. So he ends up in Egypt, and uh, through a course series of different events, he ends up becoming kind of the right-hand guy to, to, to Pharaoh. And so he's working in the government. A famine breaks out in the land. People are freaking out all over the region. There's no food. How are we going to do this? And little, uh, little did they know that Joseph's family would end up walking and coming, traveling to Egypt, and they would stand before their young brother that they sold into slavery. And Joseph would have mercy on them, and they'd come there, and then they ended up moving there, and the whole family, the tribe of Israel, began to flourish, started with 70 people, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger, and life would go on. Uh, and life was great until it wasn't. And so 400 years goes by, and uh, the, the Pharaoh that had the great relationship with Joseph, well, he's gone, so is Joseph, and so is a lot of their original family members that witnessed how God provided in this incredible relationship that was formed. And there was a new Pharaoh that rose up, and this new Pharaoh was really concerned that if war broke out, man, all these Hebrews which is what they called them, the Israelites, they called them Hebrews. All these Hebrews would turn and join all, all of our enemies and they would actually overtake us. So out of fear, he makes a decision to go ahead and put them into slavery. By the way, fear will always lead to oppression. Fear will lead you to oppress yourself and it will lead you out of a control to try to oppress others. So Joseph, or excuse me, so Moses gets born into this situation. So here's Pharaoh, and they're putting the smackdown on all the Israelites. Well, Pharaoh took it one step further, and he said, there's still too many of them. I'm worried 
So what I want you to do is if, if he tells the midwives, the, the basically, you know what a midwife is. It's like a, you know, a nurse that's going to be there at the birthing room. And so the, he told the midwives of the area, he said, hey, when uh, the Hebrew women have babies, if it's a boy, kill it. If it's a girl, you can let it live. But any Hebrew boys, we want you to kill. Well, the midwives, they, they love children. That's why they're doing what they're doing. They don't want to kill any babies. And so they made up this story, and they totally lied. And they said to Pharaoh, they're like, boss, man, the, the, the Hebrew women, they, they give birth so quick. They got birthing hips. You know, it's like they, they, as soon as they're ready to go, the baby comes out. And by the time we get there, it's too late. And he says, okay. So then he, he ends up stepping up his game, and he, he grabs the soldiers, and he sends them. And they go from house to house. And they would find the, the, the little baby boys and the, when they were young, and they would take them out and they'd kill them and they'd throw them in the Nile. Anytime that there's been a massive move of God that was coming and a deliverer that was rising up, there was a massive attack on that generation. I shared last week how in, in the last 50 years, more people have come to Jesus, more Christians have come, to, uh, more people have become Christians in the last 50 years than all of previously record, recorded history combined from the 1970s onward. Well, it's no surprise, no coincidence that that was right in line with it when in 1973, abortion became legal in our country. And I'm not here to condemn anybody, but killing is killing. And, 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 and when we're taking young children, no matter if you're doing it in, and you're thinking you're doing the right thing, I, I'm just telling you, you gotta call a spade a spade. And we've been murdering all these children for years and years. No wonder we've seen a collapse. But at the same time, there's been an attack on the family. There's been a massive rise in Christianity. And so I, I believe, even though it's getting dark outside and it feels like it's pretty dark, you read the news, which I encourage you, probably take your head out of the news, get your head out of Facebook, get it into the book. But, you know, it's like, you know, you read the news, it's getting pretty dark out there. It's a pretty hard time. But I'm telling you, the church of Jesus Christ is unstoppable. It was God's idea. He's in it. And if he's in it, then he's going to continue to build it, right? All we have to do is be good stewards. Okay, so that's a little bit of backstory on Moses. If you're not familiar, um, that gives you, catches you up just a little, a little bit on that. And, um, and so we're going to pick it up. And Moses is born. His mom basically hides him for three months. This is in Exodus 1 and 2. You can read the full story. We're going to pick it up in Exodus chapter 3. But in Exodus 1 and 2, he's, he gets born. His mom hides him for three months. Then suddenly she's like, he's getting too big. I can't hide this kid anymore. Uh, but there's something special on his life. So she takes some bark and some papyrus leaves and, and she, she, she heats up some tar and she uses it and creates pitch and she forms kind of this little baby boat. And uh, she can't bring herself to kill him, but she knows this, the, the soldiers are coming. They've been killing friends and families, kids and such, and so the, the day's coming. So she prays and probably with, you know, just tears, she puts him in the boat and puts him at the Nile and then probably walks away. And then his sister didn't walk away. His sister stayed there and looked and followed him and saw where this little boat was floating down the Nile, and it ended up in Pharaoh's daughter's hands. So Pharaoh's daughter's down at the Nile River, and, and she sees, she's like, oh, this is one of those Hebrew babies. And so, anyways, long story short, she ends up raising Moses in Pharaoh's household. The guy that's trying to kill all the babies ends up having the deliverer right under his nose and didn't even know it. Is that just not like God? And so here he is. So Moses gets prime education, raised uh, around the finest things of life. 
And, uh, and then there's a, there's a moment where he's, he's realizing as he's coming into manhood, he's realizing there's something different about me. And, uh, and so he notices, he knows that, that he's Hebrew. He knows that he's a, a child of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. And so an Egyptian is fighting and hurting a Hebrew. Well, Moses steps in, ends up beating the guy up, kills him, and then hides him in the sand, and then walks away. The next day, two Israelites are fighting, and Moses jumps in to stop them. He's like, stop the fighting. And they're like, what, are you going to kill us like you did that Egyptian guy the other day? Moses is struck with fear. What am I going to do? Then Pharaoh finds out. So Pharaoh tries to kill Moses. Moses ends up fleeing. And this is kind of where we pick up the story. So he ends up fleeing, and he goes to this place, and he meets a guy and gets a wife, you know, and, and, he's, and he's working as a shepherd. And so he's working as a shepherd, and this is where we pick up in the, in the story in Exodus chapter 3. Is everybody there? Hopefully I gave you enough time if you guys have the physical Bibles to turn there. Exodus chapter 3, we're going to read through uh, verse 14. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, his father-in-law the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the, the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does this bush not burn up? When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God, your father, God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you that it's life today. And Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? We didn't come here to hear a man speak. Came to hear you speak. You know, every person in this room, every situation. Lord, I believe you got a word for every one of us today that you want to speak to every single person today. So, Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear, give us eyes to see something we never saw before. 
Give us minds to understand you and your word. God, that you give us a heart to believe you. Pray for faith to rise in this house today, God. Your kids are here. We've all gathered together to worship and to hear you speak. So speak, Lord. We're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. I love how in verse 1 it says Moses is, is tending the flock of his father. You know, it just reminds me, God will interrupt you whatever is going on in the middle of your workday. Just like when Jesus called his disciples and they're there fishing and suddenly the Messiah shows up and he says, come and follow me. God, no matter what's going on in life, no matter what season you're in, whether it's uh, a season of joy or it's a season of sorrow, whether it's a season of abundance or season where you're, man, you're working hard. It doesn't matter what season you're in. If you're waiting for a season until you have children or waiting for a season until you get married or waiting for your season until your kids are out of the house or waiting for a season when you're retired, God will show up in the middle of your day in your life and he will interrupt your plans and he will place you into his plans like my friends from Bulgaria. God will interrupt your day. But I love it. It said that he was tending his father's flock. You know, a lot of people... They, they, they kind of they kind of want to do their own thing without serving somebody else's thing. But a lot of times what happens is when you serve someone else, you end up having an encounter with God. That's one of the cool things with serving in the house of God and serving in the church is that as you serve, a lot of times we jump in and serve and help out in different areas because we think, man, it'd be a blessing to the church. And it is. And it was this morning when Dave showed up here and helped me set up. And Chris showed up this morning. And we're really, Chris does all the setup. He just gives us orders. But, and, and Yura came. You know, and, and it, is, it is a blessing. But you know what? I feel that I'm the most blessed when I'm serving. A lot of times when you're in the middle of serving and caring for somebody else, you get your eyes off yourself and onto somebody else. There's so, it's like you're unlocking joy in your life when you do that, when you serve somebody else. Serving others often results in God encounters. And it says that he led the flock to the far side. This is verse 1. He led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. And as I was praying and meditating on this, um, I just felt like there were some of you in this room that you feel like you've been in the wilderness, not just in the middle of it. You feel like you're on the far side. Like sometimes you can get so far and deep in the wilderness. You ever gone on a hike and thought, where am I? When you go so deep, me and my brothers, when we were younger, we used to scare our parents to death and we'd go on these hikes up into the wilderness in the mountains of Washington and our parents would be parked down below by a, uh, we had a Suburban and a, and a 26 foot trailer, <laughs> this, this, this kit comfort trailer. And my dad would say, it's 26 feet of wildlife fun. And so he, he would go out, and us three boys, you know, strapping teenagers, and, uh, and we'd go hike, and we'd go way up in the mountains, and we'd always joke around about, you know, if we see a bear, and there is bear up there, but we're like, I don't have to be faster than the bear, I just have to be faster than you, bro. So, you know. <laughs> and so we'd go up in the mountains, and we'd go hike, and, you know, scare our parents to death. But sometimes you can get so far and then suddenly you kind of go, wait, where am I? And that can happen when you're in a wilderness season of life. You can get so far, so deep into a wilderness season, you go, man, where am I? And then God shows up and he meets you right in the middle of all that stuff, wherever you're at, whatever the wilderness is this morning for you. Verse 2 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire within the bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. You know, God is desiring your attention. He wants to get your attention. 
He wants to get your attention this morning. There's, a, there's no accident that brought you here to Authentic Church. There's no accident that you woke up on a Sunday morning when you could have gone any other place, been anywhere in this beautiful area that we lived, but God led you to this moment and to this church for a reason. And I believe that there's a purpose in that. And I believe part of that purpose is actually you finding fulfillment, getting an encounter with God, but that encounter with God would lead to daily encounters with the God. And the more you encounter God, the more you take on his nature, the more you take on his nature, then suddenly you start looking and acting like Jesus. And that's the goal, not that we are Jesus, but that we be like Jesus, amen? And so there's a lot of things in life that's gonna try to catch your eye. There's a lot of things in life that can catch your eye, but there's only a few things that are gonna catch your heart. My question today is, what's caught your heart? What are you allowing to catch your heart? A lot of things that can catch your eye. There's a lot of ideas. I could go here, I could go there, I could move there. But what really catches your heart? What's that, what's that experience that you're having with God? This is a burning bush experience that Moses had. And, and I believe every one of us will have a burning bush experience. Maybe not as, um, <laughs> not as bright and obvious as that, but I believe every one of us will have a burning bush experience in our life. It was a burning bush experience. It might have led you to start a business. Might have been a burning bush experience for you to walk away from a job and launch out into the deep with your own company. It might have been a burning bush experience where you, where you started a new hobby or a burning bush experience that really led you here to Authentic Church today. So in verse three, Moses thought, I'm gonna go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush, why does the bush not burn up? And then the Lord saw that he had gone over to look. So when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. When God gets our attention, he seems to talk a lot. I feel like when I'm busy, I don't hear the voice of God very well. And then God has to do something to really interrupt me and get my attention. Anybody else ever feel that way? You ever feel like you're going through life and it's like you're busy, 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 and then suddenly it's like, man, where am I? You're at the far side of the wilderness and then something dramatic has to happen in your life to get your attention. But when you give God your attention, when we take time to be intentional with, you know what, I'm gonna open my Bible this morning. You know what, I'm gonna read. Uh, this morning I just literally sat in my living room for a couple hours just with God, just talking, listening. Not, no agenda, no agenda for today. <laughs> I was just talking and listening and the Lord was just speaking to me, sharing some things, what to pray over my kids, prayed for my kids, my wife, some specific areas. But when we give him our attention, our hearing goes to another level. And it's not, so he's always speaking, we're just not always good at listening. So I love, uh, there's a, a great book my wife and I read a couple years ago called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. It's a good read if you've never read it by a guy named John Mark Comer, it's a great, great read. But the whole book is basically like, what do we do in life that takes up all time and energy that has no real eternal significance and impact? So God speaks. Verse five, God says to him, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing on is holy ground. You know, when holy moments come along, a lot of times we want to approach God the way we want to approach him. 
And I, I know God is gracious and kind, and you can come to him at any moment's notice. You know, he's God. He says, you know, Jesus was like, let the children come to me. We know that, you know, because of what Jesus did, we can come to God in, in the middle of our mess. And yes, that's great. But, but there, there is a moment where God's holiness touches us. And what do we do? Do we embrace his holiness or do we treat him casually? A lot of people want like Jesus is their friend. Like, hey God, I'm doing this. You know, let's go. I had one guy, a young man one time, he was asking for my advice. He's like, so hey, Pastor Jeff, I, 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 I bought a car. Um, I wanted to ask you what you thought about it. And I'm like, well, I think you bought a car. <laughs> you know, like, I, I think wisdom would have been, why didn't you ask me before you bought the car if you really wanted my input or did you just want to slap on the back encouragement? Wow, cool car, cool car. It doesn't matter that you're up to your eyeballs in school. It doesn't matter that you don't have much money for rent, but wow, you got a really cool car. In my flesh, I'm telling him, and what I believe is wisdom, that was a stupid purchase, right? But you know, for him, all he wanted was a little bit of pat on the back. And sometimes that's how, if we're not careful, we can kind of get like that with God. Hey, God, I'm doing this. What do you think? Love you, son. God, I'm doing all these. What do you? Well, I love you. I mean, I want to help you. But when we take time to really ask God, do you, do you give God permission to speak into those areas of your life that are uncomfortable? Do we want him just as our friend or do we want him as our Lord? Right, it's a different posture. And yeah, Jesus is your friend. Yes, okay, he loves you, okay. You know, some people are getting like, ooh, this feels heavy. You know, yes, Jesus loves you. He's your friend. You can come to him any moment. But there comes a moment where his holiness comes in. And he whispers into your spirit, he just says, hey, you know that one thing? Let's talk about that one thing. And I love how gracious and kind God is. He doesn't usually bring out the list and just say, all right, Jeff, here's all the areas that you fall short in, <laughs> right? You know, He just says, hey, we're just gonna work on this one thing. And if you listen, I'll help you. With, and by the time you work on some of those little things, they just kind of start to fade away as you get closer and closer to him. Some people never have God encounters because they don't treat it as a holy moment. Verse six, then he said, I'm the God of the Father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. So God is reminding Abraham, or reminding Moses who he is, but he's also reminding Moses of his family lineage. In verse seven, the Lord says, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. I just wanna tell you this morning, God sees you. God hears you. Uh, it, it, it says that, that he, was, he said, I'm concerned about their suffering. God's concerned for you. As a good father would be, he's concerned for his people. If people are living in bondage and they're oppressed or they're stuck in addiction, God's concerned for you. Out of love, he wants to set you free. He wants to, he wants to pull you out of that situation. He, he doesn't want you going through life alone. That's one of the beautiful things about a gathering like this on a Sunday morning is you get into an atmosphere of faith and you have an encounter with God and your faith level begins to rise and it's not so much that everything outside of the room changed, but everything has changed because your perspective has changed in him. Then verse eight, it's a beautiful picture of God's redemptive plan. Speaks of Jesus, if you can picture it. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good spacious land. Jesus came down to rescue every one of us. None of us are so good that we don't need a savior. None of us got it so figured out that we don't, we don't need the Holy Spirit. 
Verse 9, now the cry of the Israelites reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. Now here's the mission in verse 10. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. God came down. You know the word Moses, his name actually means to draw up. So God came down, drew Moses up, literally placed him in a place that he had no business being. He gets raised in the royal palace, gets all the good treatments, the manny and petties, all, the, all those things, all the good stuff. And then he flees. And Moses finds, finds himself in the wilderness. Now, he's at, a, he's at a place where he doesn't really fit. Anybody ever feel like you just don't fit in? <laughs> How many times have you maybe at work or church or friends or family, is there anybody else in here that just felt like, man, I just kind of felt like I was the black sheep of the family. I didn't really fit in. I felt like that. I felt in church settings, you know, I get around some of these guys and I just felt like, you know what, man, I just don't fit in. And Moses didn't fit in. And it's funny how God uses the one, the, the pieces that don't seem to fit, they seem to fit when they find the, the right place at the right time. And he's brought you here, I believe, for the right time. I believe that you're a right piece. I believe that there's giftings, talents, abilities that he's put inside of you that he's gonna breathe on those things to bring glory to his name. But he says, I'm sending you out. We can't, we can't have a church service like Casey shared earlier. We can't have a church service uh, where it's just all about just us in an individual experience if that experience doesn't lead to us actually going out and touching others. Yes, we want an encounter with God. Yes, we want the burning bush experience. I love it. I love worship as a worship leader. Man, I could spend all day in the house of worship. But God didn't call me just to sit at his feet all day long. He called us to go. And some Christians can get a little off when it's just all about them. And they have this Christian country club that just starts to form where we all look alike, talk alike, think alike, act alike. And, and we're not reaching anybody. But that's not what God's called us to do. He sends them out. So where's God sending you out to? He's sending every one of us. He, there's, there's an out. There's a place out there. There's a sphere of influence that God's placed you in. He's sending you out. This morning I got a ride here. It was an Uber. Uh, Yura and I getting this back of this Uber, squeezing into the back of the Uber this morning. And at the end of it, you know, we, we had an opportunity to pray for the guy uh, that was our driver. Uh, that, that was an opportunity that presented itself, and we did our best to be a steward over that. God is giving you opportunities in your life. It doesn't mean that you have a microphone on a Sunday morning. I mean, there's, there's, I, I served in church for years and years and years without a microphone. We served in church, and we did a lot outside of the church as much as we did inside the church because the people that won't walk in these doors, they need your testimony. The people that won't walk in these doors, they need to hear how good God is and what God has done in your life and in your life and in your life and in your life. Every single person has a testimony to share. And in verse 12, God says, basically, he says, I'm gonna be with you and, and this is gonna be a sign that when you bring them up, they're gonna come here and they're gonna worship me. And this place where you met me is what God's saying. This place where you found me, they're gonna find me. This place where you came to know me, this place where you had an experience, they're gonna have an experience. And I believe there's people in our lives that if we'll just extend the invitation, they're gonna come. And I don't think they're gonna come in ones and twos, I think they're gonna come in tens and twenties. And that this place is gonna be so overflowing. And I mean, even on Wednesday night, man, for those who, who was here on Wednesday night, was that just powerful? Incredible time, intercessor, uh, intercessory prayer, extended worship, and then just a simple call the gospel, man. And it's when you, when you get in the presence of God, things happen. 
things change. So maybe you're here this morning and it felt a little bit different because maybe you've never been in an environment like this before. And, and I get it, okay? I was, I was raised Catholic. Walking into an environment like this kind of would have tripped me out. I'll be honest with you, if I'm just being transparent, kind of would have tripped me out. But at the same time, when I first encountered that, I had never seen somebody, I'd never seen people that were so passionate, real, and hungry for God. And, and as, as, as weird, if I could call it that, as it felt to me, it was actually kind of enticing. I kind of wanted to know, man, why is it that like, that's different, but what? Man, it kind of drew me in as well. And maybe you're here and I just want to encourage you. Lean into that. Don't, don't back away from that. Lean into that because the spirit of God's drawing you. He's drawing you. This place where you met him, other people in your life are gonna meet him. So don't lose heart, don't give up. Verse 13, Moses says to God, okay, if I go and who do I tell him? And this is what he says to him. He says, I am. Tell him I am has sent you. God is drawing you close to send you out. The beauty of the relationship and simplicity of having close intimacy with God is that the closer you get to him, the closer you, the more you discover things about you you never even knew were there, and the more you get on fire with the purposes of God. I'm gonna ask the, uh, the worship team to go up, come up to the front. You know, in Exodus 3, verse 4, when the Lord got his attention, he spoke to him. And I believe the Lord's getting our attention this morning. And I believe he wants to speak to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're feeling like you got downloads and God's speaking to you. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're feeling like, you know what, I haven't yet. I just want to encourage you to just position your heart in this time. We're going to go back into a worship song and we're going to take communion. And we're going to give God our attention. We're not going to sing some songs on a screen. We're just going to give God our full attention. I remember when I was 21-year-old kid, I had a child outside of wedlock. It wasn't pretty, okay? It was a really difficult time, really dark time in my life. And I went out to this concert venue out in Eastern Washington called The Gorge, The Gorge Amphitheater. It's one of the coolest spots to take in a concert. I would go there to concerts and take in the show and drink too much and, and then I'd somehow drive home hours and then one day some friends invite me to the same venue and I was there the week before for a country concert it was Tim McGraw and the Dixie Chicks <laughs> I'm there partying it up making bad choices and then the next week, I get invited by my Christian friends to go to this Christian concert series back out the gorge. I'm like, yes, party, let's go. <laughs> let's do it. So I go back out to the gorge with my Christian friends, put my Christian hat on, no cussing, no beer, you know, just gonna go and be with them. And I'm there and I'm watching these people go crazy for Jesus. And I'm like, they're nuts. <laughs> they're nuts but there was something intriguing. And I thought, man, if they're right and I'm wrong, the end of my life could be a real big wake-up call in a bad way. 
So I remember going over the side of the concert. They had this guy that was getting up singing music and all the people know his songs. And I'm like, this blows. I'm like, I want out of here now. Hopefully you don't feel like that this morning. <laughs> but I'm listening to this guy play music and found out later it was Michael W. Smith. Don't hate me. Don't hate me. Um, and, and I just didn't, it just didn't, I just didn't vibe with it. And I, I, I go over to the side of the stage and I'm overlooking the beautiful Columbia River Gorge. It's gorgeous, the sun setting. And all these people are singing worship. And I just, I'm like, God, if you're, I was mad. I'm like, Lord, I felt so agitated in my heart. You ever feel like that? Where you're just like, sometimes the closer you get to God, it's like you just start getting agitated. Man, these Christian people are bugging me. Like, uh, uh, you know, and I'm just kind of feeling agitated with all these awesome Christian people. Just like, shut it. And I just go over to the gorge and I was kind of mad. I'm just like, Lord, if you're real, then I, you gotta show me. And, and my, my ask wasn't, um, it, it wasn't from a place where I'm just saying it flippantly. I was really desiring, God, if you're really real, like if you are, if you, I am who you say, or if you're the I am, I wanna know. And so I just, from a heart that didn't have the right words, the coolest prayer, I was just like, Lord, if you're real, would you just come and show me, speak to me? And in that moment, I felt the love of God just wrap me up. All the shame that I struggled with, gone. Unconditional love. Like I didn't have to be cool for God. I didn't have to try to fit in. It was just, I love you. I love you. I just feel like God wants to say that to all of us today. Specifically, there's a few of you in the room. That's mind-blowing to you. I just want to remind you today, God loves you. He's saying, I love you. I love you. I love you. I care for you. We're going to sing this worship song and we're going to take communion. When we take communion, those that are new to this, let me just kind of share what's happening. We have a little cracker, a wafer, and you have a little cup of juice. And Jesus, at his last supper with his disciples, shared how this was a common practice. This is part of a covenant relationship that you would have when you would have a covenant relationship. This is and they would do this and they would remember how the Lord provided for them in the Passover, which we'll get into in a few weeks ahead. But Jesus said, you've been celebrating this for years and now you're gonna celebrate it and you're gonna do this in remembrance of what I'm about to do. So we're gonna take that bread, we're gonna take the cup and the cup represents the blood of Jesus. We're remembering that his blood was shed for the forgiveness of our sins and that wafer that his body was broken for us. The forgiveness of sins and also the healing. If you need healing in this room, when you are sick, take communion. Have a moment with God. You are desiring breakthrough. Have a moment with God. If you need to get right with Jesus, 
and you're coming back to him, you know, Lord, you know what? I want that fresh fire. I want that burning bush experience. I've had that before, Lord. And I feel like it's been a long time and I've walked away from it. God, I'm coming back to you. Will you just renew our relationship? Would you renew a right spirit in me? So we're gonna take communion together. So we're gonna open up. If we could all just stand today as we close out. Kara's gonna lead us in this, in this beautiful song. I just wanna invite you, when you're ready on your own time, just go ahead and come forward. Take the bread, take the cup. It's all in one little packet for you. And when you take it, you remember what Jesus did for you. Not Jesus, you died on the cross. Yeah, yeah, I know, we know it. But what did he do for you? What did he do in your life? God, we thank you. God, I thank you for your word today. God, I thank you that your word is alive. It's speaking to us, God. I pray that as we have this time of worship and communion, God, as we give you our full attention, God, would you speak to us, God? In Jesus' name. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.